In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. All right. Welcome back to the Bravo Docket. Today, we are going to be covering medical malpractice, which oddly enough is creeping up on Real Housewives of Orange County. But we originally got the idea because one of our listeners kept messaging us about this house husband from Real Housewives of Miami, Leonard Hochstein, who himself was sued multiple times this past year for medical malpractice. And then as luck would have it, Real Housewives of Orange County, the first I guess big drama is the lawsuit that Nicole James filed against Terry Dubro years and years and years ago. So that is going to be the topic of this episode. And as we found out, Terry is not the only OC related person that has been sued for medical malpractice. Do you want to give a little teaser about that, Angela? Yeah. So there's the Terry Dubro thing. And then I found a very interesting lawsuit filed against Dr. Jen, Dr. Jen Armstrong, who is the new cast member on RHOC. And it involves just about every kind of filler you can think of and radio frequency. And it's just in the very beginning of the lawsuit. So really all we have is the plaintiff's complaint, but we'll go in and explain that stuff. And then I got really into it. So I did some research on some of the like procedures that were done because who doesn't love learning about the different kinds of things you can inject into your face? <laughs> so we have all of that for you as well. Yeah. So I think we should set some groundwork for those people who aren't watching Real Housewives of Orange County, because I know not everyone watches all the franchises as to how this came up, because I think it would be kind of interesting to talk about it, because I thought it was kind of the weirdest reaction from a housewife and house husband that I've ever seen <laughs> on a show. Uh, yeah. So uh, Heather Dubrow is back. 
she's back as Miss Fancy Pants. I think she took like five years off of the show. Um, her husband is a plastic surgeon, and she's really proud of that. She's always been really proud and boasts about it. And they have a ton of money. They've like built two houses on the span of their time on Real Housewives of Orange County. He used to be on The Swan. I don't know if you knew that. Like he used to be one of the plastic surgeons that took, you know, the ugly ducklings and transformed them into swans. Wait. Yeah, I, that, that was, was that like was one like of the from first a long time ago. I yeah, remember one of the first like that. reality TV shows, and yeah. that one felt icky because it's like I don't know. Then they'd like go and find love, and like I don't know. <laughs> well, now everyone, all the celebrities have plastic surgery and go find love, and it, I don't know, deceive people. But it was like the premise was like, oh, you need this to be hot, and I don't know. Anyway, so he was on that. Terry Dubrow also got his own show with Paul Nassif wow. from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills called Botched, and that. I love that show. I'm obsessed with Botch. Have you, have you ever seen Botched? <laughs> um, I know of it. I uh, it it makes me very nervous to see those types of things because I'm I I haven't had any surgery on my face or anything like that yet, but I am terrified of. Well, they all say you should do your research and, you know, I'm sure as attorneys, we do a lot of research. So I'm sure before you did anything, you would do your research. Um, But a lot of these people like go to Mexico and have like cement put in their face. So I don't think you're going to do that. I'm totally down for that. Like I'm totally. (laughs) I don't know. It used to be my like when I'd come home and want something to watch and nap to. That's the show I would watch. Mm. Very odd. But anyway, so he's like making bank (laughs) on his own practice and then having this show. Um, He's really well known. People know him as the guy that can like fix other plastic surgeons botched jobs. That's his like thing. So Heather came back and it kind of seems like she had more say this season or had more control. She had a very, I don't know if you get the sense because you haven't seen Heather before. Um, do you get the sense that she's like coming back controlled yeah. and like knowing what's up and trying to control how she appears on the show? That's how I feel. Yeah, I think it's interesting for me because I this is my first time watching Heather. I've only seen a couple seasons of OC, so it, it she she presents herself as very like confident, secure, in control, everything in order. Her five kids are all great. Like her house is perfect. And she walks around with – she does. She walks around with authority, but then also like saying, I'm leaving the show. I'm done. I'm gone. I'm leaving the show. Having her react that way and then disappear was interesting. It made me think that did she uh, – having had experience from being, at, being on the show before, does she renegotiate a contract that understanding what more favorable terms she would want in it, basically saying she would get notice of things or they wouldn't talk about you know yeah. whatever – it made me wonder about that. So yeah, yeah, I agree. that's how I that's how I felt. Like mm-hmm. that, um, she was more mad at production for not giving her a heads up than mm-hmm. mad at Shannon for bringing it up. But so what happened? The background here is that Shannon went out and blacked out and told Gina um, that this new woman, Nicole James, who was supposed to be a housewife this season, had sued Terry Dubrow years and years and years ago. And she's like, why is she friends with Heather? I don't think that's that bad. Like, she got drunk. She was gossiping with her friends. It slipped out. And then she was like, oh, please don't bring this up. 
I don't think that's yeah. that bad. Like, well, lawsuits are public record, so it's not like she revealed any information that wasn't available publicly. You know, it yeah. was she had a different last name, but it's like it's not that hard. To, it wouldn't have been that hard for somebody to figure that out. And one honestly, of the fan accounts would have figured it out. Hundred percent, like Bravo, Bravo, Ducking Bravo, or Bravo Bone Collector would have figured that out and would have posted it anyway. So we probably like, would have figured it out. We would have found Let's it. Yeah. Give us some credit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So then it's like she, um, Gina feels bad, brings it up at Heather's party. Heather storms off. She's like, "I'm leaving the show." They're gone for what I think is an hour. Except I don't think there was a timestamp for some reason. I feel like they were gone for an hour. Her and Terry. And then they come back, and this scene is, like, the weirdest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Nicole James is, like, sitting on the couch, bawling her eyes out, like, I'm so sorry for suing you. And they're like, oh, like, I can't believe... No, no, no. What is... Terry's like, you sued me. Do you remember that? He's like... Yeah, he's like, are you Nicole Weiss? You yeah. sued me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, all mean. And then they they look at each other, and he's like, but you dropped it. <laughs> like, laughs in her face. And she's, like, bawling her eyes out. Like, I'm so sorry they made me. And then they're like, it's fine, whatever. And now they're acting like they're totally fine with the fact that she sued him long ago. And now they're all pissed off at Shannon. And it seems like it's just an excuse to be mad at Shannon. And I really do think behind the scenes, though... Heather's really upset that it came up with like she's upset with production that it came up. And that's probably why Nicole James mm. wasn't made a full time housewife. That's just my my conspiracy theory. She's acting like yeah. she's fine with it on camera, but really is not. So, I mean, it was so long ago. Doctors do get sued all the time. I I don't know. So far, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. So far, it seems like Nicole James has a very kind of flat affect a little bit like but it's it's very early in the season. So and then. What's her face? The other one is just bringing it because her life is. I feel bad for her. Her life is like falling apart. The one whose husband is in Puerto oh, Rico. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think she. That's a whole other lawsuit that we'll yeah. get to. At oh some yeah, point. we got all kinds of stuff for you. <laughs> yeah, like thank you, Orange County. This is not one that I thought would bring us new stuff, but we have here so we are. much we can barely keep up with it, and it's like there we've got some amazing. I have we have pleadings that no one else has, and we are gonna do a whole episode on it. It's amazing. Yeah. So I thought we'd start by explaining what medical malpractice is. Um, I can give a high-level primer, and then, Angela, if you want to dive in to some specifics. Sure. So it's a claim in tort law, and we've talked about tort law a lot. It's kind of like the personal injury backbone, usually like slip and fall cases, like accidents. It's all in like tort law, and I love tort law. I think it's so fun. Um, But it's any act or omission by a physician during a treatment of a patient that deviates from accepted norms of practice in the medical community and causes an injury to the patient. The injured patient has to show that the physician acted negligently in rendering care and that such negligence resulted in injury. So there are four legal elements. And um, this is like if we were to give you a fact pattern, this is what you try and find uh, to prove <laughs> medical malpractice. So the first element is a professional duty owed to the patient. So there has to be some relationship between the patient and the doctor. You can't just sue any doctor. And that's kind of like easy to prove, you know, as soon as you go into their office and you're like, I want to get filler. 
there's a there's a duty owed. You have a relationship there. The second one is a breach of such duty. There has to be a breach of the standard of care. And the standard of care, which is like under quotes, it can differ among jurisdictions. It's usually that there's a reasonable, you, you compare it to a reasonable, similarly situated professional and compare it that way to see if there's a breach of the ordinary standard of care that the medical professional should be providing. The third element is injury that that was caused by the breach of the standard of ordinary care or professional care. And the fourth element is damages. So money damages, um, economic loss, pain and suffering, those types of things. So those are the four main elements. Do you want to talk about California or anything else generally? Sure. Since like a bunch of these we're going to talk about come up in California, So no matter what state you're living in, there's a deadline for filing that's called the statute of limitations. So you have to make this claim against your doctor before the statute of limitations. And in California, a medical malpractice lawsuit must be filed no later than three years after the date of injury or one year after the plaintiff discovers or through use of reasonable diligence. I am having a hard time talking. (laughs) In California, a medical... Yeah, it's the weekend. A medical malpractice lawsuit must be filed no later than three years after the date of injury or one year after the plaintiff discovers or through the use of reasonable diligence should have discovered the injury, whichever occurs first. Um, In plain English, this means once you learn you've been injured by a healthcare provider's mistake in California or you should have known, then the clock starts ticking. Warlock. Warlock wants to jump in. In or out, buddy? Uh, Malpractice cases are, are tough. It's... There's a standard of care that's you have to find an expert to testify to, a medical expert to say this doctor should have done this specific thing or should have known. I mean, sometimes it can be easier. Like in when I had my own practice, we had a, we we ended up referring this case out, but we had a person come to us with um, they had gotten sepsis from having a sponge sewn into them after a surgery. And they're like, it's obvious that you're not supposed to leave those things inside people. You're supposed to have checklists, all kinds of things like that. So sometimes they are easier than others. Sometimes it's like, okay, well, this person suffered severe complications and, you know, that complications are not due to like a known like complication that you would, uh, I guess, sort of consent to. It's something that occurred from negligence. Um, And I mean, they're tough. And like a lot of states also have things where you have to notify the doctor first. In California, you have to notify the doctor before you file the lawsuit. And then you have to have proof of that. So you have to like send a letter. Um, And there's just a lot of limitations as well. California has a $250,000 cap on non-economic damages, which means pain and suffering. So that has not been modified since 1975. Which, if you think about it, if something like really bad happens to you as a result of your doctor's negligence, I mean, let's say they amputate the wrong finger or the wrong arm or something. The most you can get for your pain and suffering for missing a finger that shouldn't have been taken off or an arm is $250,000. That's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. And that probably is like the biggest form of damage in these types of cases or the biggest type of injury that the person experiences. Like, yeah, you might miss out some days of work, but if you're like coming out disfigured, you would think you would want a lot of like money back for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times it's like you have to also, it's like sometimes you have to get to like maximum medical improvement 
before you sue. So like, or before you like, you have to have somebody like testify as to what that will be. So you know what your continuing economic damages are like, okay, this medical issue occurred. This person is going to have to continue seeking medical treatment as a result of the negligence for the rest of their life. Here's what we think this will cost. You have to have like, you know, an economist provide that sort of information. Like if you can't work anymore, these yeah. cases are very, very involved and very difficult. Yeah. A lot of expert witnesses in these. Mm-hmm. So I thought um, something interesting to talk about on this is the Good Samaritan laws, because there is an exception to medical liability in Good Samaritan laws. And basically an exception to medical liability, so an exception to breaking the standard of reasonable care or whatnot, those four elements, is the Good Samaritan laws, which basically say you can't get sued for jumping in and trying to help someone. Um, And that's a good law because then... No one will ever want to help anyone if they're in distress. You know what I mean? Right. So right. I just wanted to point that out. That doesn't come up in any of these cases. I just thought it was an interesting little factoid to throw in. Um, but a lot of um, physicians carry medical malpractice insurance. Do you want to talk about how that works? Like, what is that? I mean, I think they're required to have it to do things. I mean, I know at least in most states that I've practiced in, they're required to have Mm -hmm. medical malpractice insurance. And so that's, that's, it's okay. Like, let's say uh, just taking the Nicole versus Terry lawsuit as an example. So in California, you have to send a letter, like informing the doctor that you're going to file a lawsuit that has to have specific things in the letter saying like, what's the basis for your claim, so on and so forth. So immediately then Terry's office would or whoever had it would send that letter to their malpractice insurance carrier. The malpractice insurance carrier would assign an attorney to work on the case. Um, a lot of times, the doctors, almost never, the doctors get to, don't get to pick their own attorney for who defends them, and like they just get assigned an attorney, and the attorney goes to work on defending the case. So they just and the doctor at that point, I mean, they may have to pay a deductible. I'm not sure. But like they don't have to, they're not paying like the attorney's fees, like by the hours, like the insurance company that pays for that. And the doctor has to pay that insurance no matter what, whether or not they are being sued. So because it happens so much now they have. It happens a lot. Yeah. Medical (laughs) medical insurance. So I was thinking we would talk about the boob god first and then get into (laughs) Nicole James and then talk about uh, Jen Armstrong's medical malpractice. Is that all right? So let's start with Real Housewives of Miami husband. Um, I didn't even put his name in here. I just realized he goes by the boob god. There have been a lot of lawsuits filed against him. A lot. A lot of medical malpractice lawsuits. Oh, his name is Leonard. Leonard Hochstein. He is known colloquially as the boob god in Miami. I'm just going to throw it out there. Anyone who has like a nickname? I don't like it. <laughs> I'm not trusting you. you. If you're like the face god, the like arm god, I'm not. It's just not. Personally, not someone I'm going to go get my medical work from. That's just me. You're saying that boob god doesn't inspire confidence in you? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're saying? I just think it, also like the word god, eh, it implies that you're going to make me perfect. So you're kind of, it's a big, big, big ask. Anyway. <laughs> So she's back, actually, for season four of Real House of of Miami, which I think the first episode or something came out last week. So she's back. I'm kind of curious to see if any of these lawsuits will come up in the season. But to start, 
He's been sued three times in the past year for medical malpractice. I don't know if that's common to be sued that many times in a year, but, you know, I I don't practice this, so I don't know. But most recently, he was sued in August 2021 in Miami Circuit Court for using an, quote, improper surgical technique while performing a thigh lift, which left the plaintiff, she alleges, with an injury in and around the groin and labia that caused altered and deformed genitalia. It claims that she suffered aggravation of pre-existing conditions, suffered disability and physical impairment, suffered mental pain and suffering, all of which amounted to expenses to treat her alleged injuries. She's seeking damages in excess of fifty thousand dollars. I don't know why that feels low to me. I don't know. If you're geni- I, thought it, I thought it sounded low too. Okay, like, that seems low. Yeah, if your genitalia is being altered by this procedure, I, I would sue for more. But also thigh lift. I'm just gonna put a pin in that because that comes up later. A thigh lift. Do we want to explain like what a thigh lift is or like... I don't know what a thigh lift is. I'm assuming it's just like to lift it up and get rid of cellulite. Well, according to plasticsurgery.org, thigh lift surgery reshapes the thighs by reducing excess skin and fat, resulting in smoother skin and better proportioned contours of the thighs and lower body. So... Well, let's put a pin in it though, because it's going to come back up later. (laughs) I'm just saying, and this is probably not a surgery I would feel comfortable getting. Mm -mm. Anyway... Then, earlier in August 2021, so the same month as this most recent lawsuit, former patient Luz Del Alba sued Hochstein, boob god, because he allegedly left her with large open wounds and significant limitation of the range of motion in her arms. I don't know what... Oh, sorry. She also got a thigh and arm lift. So, thigh lift again, but also an arm lift. Do you have what an arm lift is? Yeah. Let me pull up arm lift because I'm <laughs> right here. <laughs> I'm I actually guess it's the same as thigh lift. Yeah. But for your arm. Oh, this is cool. Arm lift procedure steps. I'm going to Google it too. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it, oh, wow. Oh, okay. I see images of what this is. The results of arm lift surgery will be long lasting provided you maintain a stable weight and general fitness. Blah, blah, blah. It's important to note surgical incisions should not be subjected to excessive force, swelling, abrasion, or motion during the time of healing. I mean, yeah, it's just like the thigh lift surgery, only they cut up your arms and then get rid of excess skin and stuff. Yeah, it's like that little, that part that sometimes Mm -hmm. dangles. All right. And then the third, oh, no, this isn't from 2021. I don't know what the third lawsuit from 2021 is, but there's one from 2019 against Boob God by a woman named Christine Wilson, who claims that while having a breast augmentation, breast lift and liposuction, a medical surgical needle was left in her body. So kind of like the sponge thing you were talking mm-hmm. about, a medical surgical needle left in her body. She claimed to have endured pain and suffering, incurred significant medical bills and expenses, as well as extreme mental and emotional anguish. She sought damages of $15,000. I thought that was really low. 50000 was low. $15,000 for having oh, something. Oh, that's probably just like the pleading requirement because it's damages in excess of. You know, so like oh. when you file a tort claim, like on your complaint or but petition, the other woman said fifty thousand. Why didn't this woman go up to fifty thousand? I don't know. That may be a typo. <laughs> anyway, like, yeah, because you, know, you have to put that in your complaint to like for whatever court you're filing it in. Like it's yeah. damages in excess of whatever amount, so that the court knows how to categorize it. She should have put more. <laughs> yeah, um, that that seems odd, but yeah. 
Anyway, so she so he actually spoke out about this lawsuit and he blamed it on an assistant. So he didn't deny that something was left in her, but he blamed it on someone that he hired. He said, in 2017, I interviewed a surgical assistant to possibly hire for my practice. As part of the interview process, he was asked to perform skin closure. Ultimately, ultimately, I decided against hiring him, but the needle left in Miss Wilson is strictly due to his negligence. I reached out to Miss Wilson in hopes of remedying this error, but she has chosen to sue me instead. So he's saying that he interviewed this person to do it and then to do a, a test stitching up. Was, as part of the interview process, he was asked to perform skin closure. Ultimately, was it on I her? Said, on her. Yeah. As part of the interview, he had him do a, do like a, a wound a skin closure but on but her then, <laughs> yeah on her and then he like i decided to get hiring him but the needle left in miss wilson is strictly due to his negligence so yes he's saying that that's like the assistant one thing i do want to like just add quickly is that, like when these guys get famous like like when sussy's talking about like when they have nicknames like boob god or they're on a tv show they have a very high volume of patients and they tend to have the resources to have a large amount of staff, like basically do everything for them. So that, I mean, you may not even, if you go to somebody famous for, and I'm not saying this is for everybody, but like if you go to somebody famous for plastic surgery uh, that, that shows up on TV, obviously they get a ton of exposure. And when you go for your initial consultation, it may not even be with that doctor. You may not even see or meet the doctor that's famous until your actual surgery because they have such high volume. And then the surgeon gets to do just the part that they really like, which is cutting people open and doing their fancy surgery stuff that they learned in residency and everything else. So like, <laughs> this doesn't kind of, this kind of doesn't surprise me when I'm hearing you read this yeah but i just i don't understand why anyone would let someone that they're interviewing do a part of like a very like a part of a a a client's surgery he's not even a he's not even part of his practice yet yeah i don't maybe that's normal i don't know i mean maybe you do want to see how well someone before you go to the trouble and expense and all the effort of hiring an employee maybe you do have them but wouldn't you like if you if it's not somebody like employed by your uh your practice wouldn't you have to like sign a consent form to be like uh, to say like, I'm, like, okay. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm okay with this you know it always freaks me out that when you go to the hospital that you have medical students like you know working on you that are learning procedures doing them on you when you're in the hospital and you like you know it's like oh. especially if you're like you know yeah so this came up in one of my surgeries or one of my surgeries I've only had surgery once and I had it back in April and I got a bill later and they were like oh someone out of your network was used as a medical assistant and it's like I didn't even know there was someone else in there aside from the people right. that I consented to being in there but it's this thing where they'll like add people out of network I don't know if it's like a conspiracy thing I don't know to get more money out of people but yeah so I had to pay a significant amount out of pocket for this person who was just happened to be in my surgery that I had no idea was there. And it's like, I wanted everyone to be in network. Like I wanted my insurance to cover all of it. And then this random person is in there and it's like, wait, what, what's going on? You know? Yeah. There has to be a way to fight that, but that's just one of the reasons why American healthcare is so daunting and scary. I, I do know one fact that 
I um, had friends in medical school and they told me that the worst time to go to the hospital is in the summer because that's when all of the new residents start. <laughs> oh, good to know. And they said that's like when they're all brand new and nobody even knows where anything is in the hospital and they're all stressed out. And they're like, that's probably the worst time. It's <laughs> good to know. And yeah, yeah. and like not we're, we're not giving medical advice. We don't give legal, legal advice. We don't give medical no. advice. But no. also, why would you go to someone called Boob God to get your thigh lift done? I mean, it's like people there. Not all plastic surgeons do everything like, no, I wouldn't go to a plastic surgeon that calls himself Boob God and get your nose done. For example, if he has really good reviews of, on his boobs, I wouldn't go and get your nose done from Boob God. I'm not saying that happened. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we have access to more resources. And then so it's kind of like we know how to look things up. So we well, would I'm just probably... putting it out there. Yeah. Putting, I wouldn't yeah, I probably go. I, it's a thing. This is Terry Debro says it on Botched. Like, yeah, you go to the people that like pr- like this is their specialty. If you want to get your nose done, go to the nose guy. Yeah. I Yeah, I know that that's logical. That totally makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this we're we're not done with Boob God, by the way. So before his latest <laughs> lawsuit, he commented, stating, "I have been a surgeon for 31 years. Up until this time, I've never been sued for malpractice in this litigious environment. That is quite an accomplishment. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I can't read. In this litigious environment, that is quite an accomplishment. I can also tell you, my lawyer firmly believes we will prevail in these two cases as well." So he also has sued websites and people that have left him negative reviews like the website Real Self. I I love the website Real Self. I go on there to see people's like before and afters, their thoughts on different doctors, all that. He sued and said that the false reviews that were out there or the reviews that were out there, excuse me, the negative ones were false, defamatory and are posted by not a real patient or person who actually received the services of the doctor. He also apparently sued Google, Health Grades and MMP Solutions Make Me Heal, which are also, I guess, review websites in order to get the identities of anonymous reviewers. He not only like sued the websites, he also sued individual people, his former patients, that left him bad reviews. He accused them of defamation, alleged they had violated the terms of an agreement that the patient signed. So he would have them sign an agreement when they were getting their procedures done that if they were to publish, um, they weren't allowed to publish any negative reviews or disparaging comments about him. So those are technically illegal, but he still put them in his lawsuit. Mm -hmm. Um, In one case... The judge actually found that the patient had to remove some of her reviews as because but only because they were hearsay. She probably mm-hmm. put stuff that were like, my friend went here, too. And, you know, but left and said that she could leave the negative reviews that she actually wrote and were part of her personal experiences. I mean, like so just being devil's advocate here, I can see being incredibly uh, upset if you yeah. have. Like maybe you have like I'm not I'm not saying this applies to the boob god I'm just saying like which is gonna make me laugh like I'm 12 I'm laughing but like if you own a business and you are seeing negative reviews and you know that some of them are not true yeah uh, seeing like that and that can really genuinely affect your business that's frustrating no it's no I totally agree yeah. like, especially if you're like it, building something and you believe mm-hmm. in it and people are leaving reviews without even having seen you yeah right but. If they're legitimate. Yeah. I mean, you can't like, (laughs) 
that's it that's that's the other thing it's like if people have legitimate negative reviews then going after them for leaving those reviews like explaining their experience or whatever then you know it's that's not great like Mm -mm. yeah so the attorney for real self actually spoke out and said unfortunately sometimes a doctor will resort to ill-advised litigation rather than taking online feedback and trying to improve so that's some lawyer shade where he's like Maybe instead of going after these people, you should be a better doctor. That's Mm -hmm. what the lawyer is saying. That was totally lawyer shade. (laughs) Lawyer shade. (laughs) Totally. Um, It's also claimed that Boob God bribed another patient for her to remove her negative review. And he has asked for $25,000 in damages. Oh, I'm sorry. He he didn't ask for that. In his... um, the agreement he he says he will sue for twenty five thousand dollars for each review mm. that is disparaging. So the agreements that were illegal, yeah, pursuant to the Consumer Review Fairness Act. Yeah. So then there's one more lawsuit. I'm just gonna throw in a fun one. Just here, you want another lawsuit? I'll give you another lawsuit. So boob god, this is so random. This has nothing to do with medical malpractice at all, but it's about boob god. He is suing reggaeton star Nikki Jam for an unpermitted video shoot at his Star Island estate, like beautiful island in Miami. He claims that this uh, reggaeton guy gave him a fraudulent $20,000 check as a security deposit to use in his to use his mansion in his music video and says that they didn't get a permit. So another lawsuit. I don't think we're going to follow that one. But I had to throw that one in there. <laughs> so this guy alone could probably keep us talking for a year. He has a lot of lawsuits oh, yeah. going on. And yeah, we'll see if any of them come out in the next season. Do you want to talk about Nicole James v. Dubrow? Yeah, sure. Okay, so at the time she was named Nicole Weiss. Is that, am I pronouncing that right? I thought, I, I keep saying Weiss? Weiss, but I think I think they both, they all said Weiss. Remember when Shannon was like, oh, that's her? Weiss? I don't know. yeah. I don't know. We, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm going to admit I may pronounce a lot of things wrong in this episode. And I, I mean, apologize me too. In advance. Okay. Well, Nicole Weiss or Weiss, we tried really hard to get these original documents, but they are so old that they are not available on the Superior Court website for download. But I can say from looking at it, it does look like it was pending for a long time. Like at least what I can see on the docket. Yeah. And it's there's we just really can't tell what happened but so when she is crying to heather and terry when nicole uh, is james or whatever is crying to heather and terry saying i am so sorry i didn't think you did anything wrong my attorneys forced me to do it um first of all your attorneys cannot force you to file a lawsuit i think i understand her maybe feeling pressured if they're saying look this is the only way to get compensation for your damages or the only way to get this fixed. But attorneys cannot force you to file a lawsuit. You are in control of that. You are the client. You actually have the power in the relationship. Now, an attorney may tell you, no, you can't do or say that because it's illegal or no, I will not (laughs) agree to whatever this course of action because we can't do things that way. But we can't force you guys to file lawsuits. Like, I mean, no. what did you think when you heard that? Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think originally we thought maybe it was something like she didn't want to file to sue Terry and they were like, you have to sue Terry. Um, oh, or yeah. What? That's, but but th- that's true, the docket, too. He was, he was only one named. So yeah. that's not – that doesn't make sense either. Um, I will say on this website, like uh, like 
having now spent so much time pulling things off of this California Superior Court website, it's people aren't necessarily named correctly. So we don't know that no one else was named. Um, just it doesn't show it on there. But I will say like that doesn't mean that somebody else wasn't named because initially Sessie and I thought like that he was just within the practice of or whatever. Maybe he had to be named because he was part of the surgical team, but maybe he isn't the one that actually she felt like uh, was negligent. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's like when you, uh, for example, if you take like construction litigation, for example, like say you like your general contractor, but you feel like your stucco guy really screwed things up. As soon as you sue your stucco guy, the stucco guy their insurance company is going to sue everybody else, like your framer, every the general contractor, everybody. So just like sometimes it does snowball. Litigation does snowball. Just yeah. Saying. I just think in this situation, it was Terry and she sued him. She probably didn't want to. She probably she probably didn't want to sue anyone, but she wanted damages. She wanted to be made whole, you know? Yeah. And they were like, well, the only way you can get your money back and the only way you can, you know, right. get justice is by suing him. So... I've had that experience where uh, clients or potential clients were like, come to me and they're like, we need help. What are the options? And I'm like, well, you have to file this lawsuit. And I'm going to tell you this will set a chain of events into action. As soon as we file them, they're going to want to blame somebody else. Or it's like, best we really do need to sue everyone because we haven't done discovery yet. And there may be more that, you know, so it's like those. And I've had clients just be like, no. And I'm like, I get it. You know, like, mm-hmm. Right. Or maybe she thought it would end with like a letter, you know, the initial letter or something. Right. And then they were like, no, you have to sue him. So, I mean, I could see that. It's all very believable. Yeah. I guess like things that we do know is that it was filed November 10th, 2004, and it was dismissed by Nicole on February 21st, 2007. So that's three years of litigation and it was dismissed with prejudice. Do you want to talk about what that is? When you dismiss a case with prejudice, that means that it cannot be refiled. So, like, you can't bring the lawsuit again. Yeah. And we don't know. We don't know why she dismissed it, but she did. Like, maybe they settled. We don't know. That's a possibility. But, um, yeah, we just we don't. don't Unfortunately, know. we we tried really hard, but you just, there just wasn't a ton there. Mm-mm. But apparently, didn't. Terry's over it. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm still so, thinking about that interaction where they're laughing. Oh, <laughs> terrible. I hated it so much. I love what the Crappens guys say about it, though. Oh, my God. I was like dying. Yeah. And they're like most latest episode. Are they like it's not even about that anymore. But they're like, oh, Heather, do you want to do that laugh that we like doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hated that. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Legal team. Have you guys been on Quince's website recently? I shopped on there like three years ago for the first time and bought myself a bunch of cashmere sweaters. I lived in the black cashmere sweater, lived in it. And I hadn't shopped on there for a while because my cashmere sweaters lasted for a really long time. But I decided to go back on there and, oh my gosh, have they completely expanded everything that they offer. The workwear, they have washable silk. And I mean, it's so affordable. I also shared with you all that I'm recently engaged and I'm in the middle of wedding planning. So anytime I'm shopping, I'm thinking about wedding, 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 wedding. And they have everything I need for the wedding. I just booked my honeymoon. We're going to go to Southeast Asia. It's going to be hot there. And I've been looking for good linen pieces. Guess what? Quince has good linen pieces. And they start at only $30. Then I'm like, okay, we need to get our wedding bands. You know who has fine jewelry now? 14 karat gold. Quince. So I send the link to Avery. And I'm like, you have to get your wedding band from here. It's affordable. And it looks just like any other wedding band. I mean, it looks great. Another thing I'm doing. Again, I have wedding on the brain. I want to look my best. So I'm like, okay, I really want cute little matching sets to go work out in. It's the only way I can get motivated. I have to like wear a cute little matching set. I've gotten really into Pilates. And guess what? Quince has the matching sets. They look identical to matching sets I've already purchased from another sports brand. They have the same thing. And at a fraction of the cost, I was able to get two tops and one pair of pants for the same price that I could only get one set at this other sportswear place. I mean, come on. Quince is just killing it. If you've shopped there before, it's time to go back on again. They have just completely expanded the categories of goods that they have to offer. They're not just all about cashmere sweaters anymore. They have got a ton of stuff, and I highly recommend you go check it out. If you're ready to go try out Quince, go to quince.com slash docket to get free shipping and 365-day returns. That is q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash docket to get free shipping and 365-day returns. That is an amazing guarantee on their goods. So go check it out. I highly recommend it, guys. Flaff. Yeah, so with the digging for that, we found that Terry had other medical malpractice actions against him. He has at least three other ones in state court that we know of, one from 2012, one from 2010, and one in 2018. And then there's a federal court malpractice claim against Mm -hmm. him. You want to talk about Mm -hmm. that one? So this this is a federal lawsuit filed in the Central District of California, and it's, I believe, based on diversity jurisdiction because the plaintiff lives in Texas and the other parties are in California. And so it and this plaintiff saw Dr. Dubrow on Botched, the show that Ceci loves to watch <laughs> when she... 
I thought she was on it at first. And I was like, heck, yeah, I'm gonna go look up that episode. But she wasn't on it. <laughs> no, yeah, it's confusing the way she writes or the way the attorneys wrote the complaint a little bit when you read it, because you just think, oh, okay, he's, it's the star of E! Entertainment's hit television show Botched. And then it's in a little more lawyer shade. It's like a show where ironically, patients with botched surgery, plastic surgery procedures seek his services to correct failed surgeries done by other plastic surgeons. Uh, the plaintiff who used to be healthy, active and self-supporting has struggled with her legs appearance for her entire life. She has not worn shorts in public for over 20 years due to loose skin and cellulite on her legs. I could tell you living in Texas, not wearing shorts, that would be unpleasant. Um, so she wants to get plastic surgery to remedy her concern with her legs appearance. Um, one of her plastic surgeons in Texas informed her that she would need an upper thigh lift, which would require an incision from her inner groin extending towards her inner knee. Okay, so that explains why in the other one we talked about, she said she had like uh, genital deformity. Because I guess if you're you're slicing from your inner thigh to your knee, then like... Mm-hmm. That's just oh, why I wanted man. to say put a pin in it because um, this also has to do with the thigh lift. So, yeah. Oh, man. Sissy is always very patient with me. With my <laughs> ADHD, my brain sometimes skips ahead and around way too fast. Um, okay. So she like flies out there, uh, wants a consultation. Um, and she's saying that uh, despite both botched and Dubrow's website claiming that each procedure is preceded by hours of extended consultation with Dubrow, he was only in the room with the plaintiff for 30 minutes before he passed her off to someone else for scheduling and payment, which honestly is kind of, I mean, I don't know, but that's what she's saying. I think that's but like I was saying, Yeah, it's like I was <laughs> yeah. saying before, like, that's kind of, it's pretty believable. Um, Dubrow convinced the plaintiff that he could produce stunning results that would look unbelievable when comparing before and after photos. When she informed Dubrow of her Texas doctor's concerns, he dismissed them after showing her in the mirror that he would do it the right way and explaining that he is no stranger to complicated cases. Well, well yeah, he, sounds- his whole thing was that he would do the scar. It would be a smaller scar. So yeah. she was concerned with the Texas doctor doing a big, 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 big scar. And he was like, oh, no, I'll do it very little. So. Yeah. So do you want to talk about like the... I guess the like surgery. Her, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she claims that she had like the pre-op appointment with him. She like booked it. So she flew back out to L.A. She's in the pre-op thing. He's like barely in there. She says a film crew came in and told her to be quiet. And she's like, I didn't consent to this film crew being in here. She says that he was really busy because he was filming botched at the time. So he was kind of like in and out of the room with her. She didn't really get any. She claims she didn't get any post-op. Um, information on like how to heal herself or like what to do. She claims immediately right after surgery, six of her stitches came undone. He said he would come to fix it. So this is like right after surgery. He mm-hmm. said he would come to fix it, but he was filming. So she had to wait 10 minutes. He came back, restitched her under local anesthetic, allegedly bedside. And he said he couldn't take her back into the operating room because the film crew was in there and that they were filming. Oh, yeah. Because, like, yeah, she says she sat up and she felt, like, stinging pain. And then, like, the nurse said that her incision line had burst open, like, six inches. Yeah. As a so result she of had just to her wait. sitting up. Yeah, she claims she had to wait a while because he was filming and too busy to come back. And so that's basically what keeps happening to her. It's like the incision keeps opening. She's like, Terry, what the f- fuck he's like uh do this come back here blah 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 and she has a bunch of complications because of it she ends up getting like a 
bacteria in there. And she included very explicit pictures mm-hmm. <laughs> in the complaint that we looked at. Yes. I am glad I don't practice this kind of law because I could not. <laughs> I cannot. I'm like getting hot thinking about the photos again. I'm going to like pass out. <laughs> I'll take over. <laughs> okay. So I... I had in my career, I've had to look at a lot of medical records and pictures of things, even though I didn't do medical malpractice, I did defend personal injury cases, I filed plaintiff's side personal injury cases. And then I also defended railroads where if people don't follow rules, when they're working for the railroad, they can get very, very hurt as in like, getting, you know, body parts cut mm. off because it's it's a dangerous yeah no I've had to see a lot of things yeah. and I Ugh. it's like you can't unsee something once you've seen it like you can't um so <laughs> I've had to like figure out ways to like I put them like on one of the moons of Neptune like I have like a little thing where I like visualize me just like putting it on one of the moons of Neptune and then it's like it, it just seems to help when I see something that's just awful like, yeah well these need to go there because yeah yeah it, it's very obvious that like she has a big old wound in her leg. Yeah. It's just open. So I thought this was interesting in this because it's like she's claiming it's, it looks, seems like she's part of what she's alleging is that like it, Dr. Dubrow's duties to film for E uh, f- like made him like negligent in her procedure because he was rushing back and forth because they were filming. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, but then he... The reason that the motion to dismiss is just or the amended complaint is just E is because there was a forced arbitration with Debro. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so she's now in arbitration with Terry. Not yeah, forced arbitration, a binding arbitration. So binding she probably agreed to it in a in her agreement or her contract mm-hmm. with him. Yeah, and then there's stuff in here where she's saying, Okay, she hired an aftercare nurse to assist her for seventy two hours after the surgery. And then her sister also helped. Um, the tension in her inner groin was so tight she could barely spread her legs. I don't know if that's normal or not, but like she said, she had to keep her legs together. I mean, I, not normal or not like after this type of surgery at all times, especially when getting out of the car. And then the you know you never want to be running a fever after you get a surgery, and she started running a fever. And then she got swelling in her lower abdomen. She had to have fluid aspirated off of her wounds. Um, she. Had to, was trying to get scheduled with the radiologist to have a drain placed. Oh, I, mean, I think we can to, just do this high level. Okay. This is so gross. Okay. <laughs> See, I was going to say, we might need to put like timestamps in to be like, if you're grossed out by no, 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 stuff, I'm grossed out. I think, I think okay, the high sorry. level, just like she had complications. I love it. <laughs> I'm like, I want to give all the details. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, God. No. Yeah, yeah. She had to like, she ended up in the ER. Um, yeah. Just, you know, it's the life threatening stuff, but she's suing for $10 million. Yeah. Yeah. And that's still ongoing. Yeah. So it's, it's still ongoing. So yeah, she's in binding arbitration proceedings with Dr. Dubrow, and then she is still in federal court against E. Yeah. So that's Terry. Oh, there's so many more gross. <laughs> no, we're good. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we're good. <laughs> they can, I mean, people can DM you if they want it. I don't. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think, you know, our, our uh, Patreons, are like supporting us so that we can 
pull these documents, which cost money. I mean, I spent $100 just today on the California website on documents for an episode we have, or episode, bleh, an episode we have coming up. So like, I think we'll just post them on the Patreon oh, if yeah. people want the details. If people yeah. want to see the photos, they will be on the Patreon. If you like gross medical stuff. <laughs> I never want to um, look at those again. <laughs> okay. Um, but that's Terry. So let's move on to Jen Armstrong. What's going okay. on with Jen? I mean, she she said on the episode that suing your doctor is one of the worst things you can do, which I don't agree with that. Um, I'm just going to throw that I mean, out we're there. Lawyers, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> do not agree with that. If something goes wrong, yeah, like seek your retribution or your justice. You know. So yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, I I feel like most of the time, like you're, you're not in a position where you're having to sue your doctor and hopefully everything goes well. But a lot of times people don't even want to consider that because it's, you're so vulnerable when you have a medical issue or you're going through surgery or whatever it is, you're putting yourself in an incredibly vulnerable position and trusting that person to go above and beyond to make sure that you like are given like the appropriate standard of care. And doctors, unlike lawyers, actually get real training in like medical school and then in their residency. Whereas lawyers, we can graduate from law school and have never <laughs> done any actual lawyering. Um, so it's, there's so like they spend frequently like more time in school than lawyers do. And it's like, you really want to believe that somebody that spent all that time and effort to do all those things and that you're going to see for whatever issue it is you have is going to treat you like with incredible care. And right. I really believe most doctors do. I mean, so, but if if there is negligence, then you should have a right to be compensated for that and at least, you know, taken care of. And so, yeah, we, you know, I don't think it's the worst thing you could do if the doctor's done something wrong. <laughs> right. There's a very recent loss, medical malpractice lawsuit filed in California against Dr. Jen and just a little info on Dr. Jen, since she's new, she graduated from Georgetown University with a master's degree in biophysics and physiology and later earned her doctorate of medicine from the John A. Burns School of Medicine at the University of Hawaii. She then attended a residency program at the University of California, California in Los Angeles. Um, she is the Chile. CEO of Advanced Skin Care, Dermatology, and Plastic Surgery. And according to her website, she specializes in injectables, laser, lasers, and other non-invasive treatments to help patients achieve hair growth and anti-aging effects. So that's just a little bit about Dr. Jen. That's great. I feel like a lot of um, doctors usually don't do that kind of stuff. Like you always have to have a doctor in the office to oversee it, but it's nice that she is a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've had, I mean, I'm in my early 40s. I'm not going to tell you how old I am. <laughs> I've had fillers and Botox. So, you know, and I, I go to a doctor to have that mm -hmm. done. I just feel a lot safer. And I'm not saying that, and there's plenty of other people that could do it well. Just me personally, I feel better going to an MD for that because it's, you know, you're putting needles in your face. So, but I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying that's what I do. Right. Um Okay, so this claim is by a woman that says that Dr. Jen, this is what she says in her complaint, botched an exalis non-surgical facial rejuvenation treatment, which was supposed to tighten and firm the skin around her eyes and cheeks. 
Um, it says she had previously visited her offer, Jen's office several times to receive fillers in her cheeks, and she alleges that the second procedure left her deformed after the filler, quote, melted into her face, which is terrifying. <laughs> so, okay, yeah, here's a laser. Oh, God. Okay. So here's a quick rundown of everything that uh, she's alleging. So October 3rd, 2019, she had Voluma XC to her cheeks. Voluma XC is an injectable gel or filler used for deep injections in the cheek area to correct age-related volume loss in adults. I don't think I haven't ever had Voluma. Um, so I, I don't have any personal experience I can talk about with that one. So, you know, but that's like when you get older and your face starts to look more hollow, like that's a, a filler they inject in to kind of fill in those hollow spaces. Um, then on October 22nd, 2019, she attended a follow-up appointment and she received the Exalis non-surgical facial rejuvenation treatment around her eyes and cheeks for the intended purpose of reducing wrinkles and deformitizing skin in that area, um, which is what I talked about before in the little summary. So this is lawyer speak, but it says plaintiff is informed and believes and thereon alleges that as a result of the manner and method by which defendants performed the Exalis treatment, her previously injected fillers below the surface of her skin melted, causing issues that needed correction and a deformity in her face. So I had to look that up because yeah. I was like, I had never heard of that. Um, all right. So the Exalis procedure delivers a controlled radiofrequency energy to the deep layers of the skin to cause fat shell cells to shrink and the collagen supporting tissue network to remodel and form new collagen. The, uh, this process results in fat reduction and improvements in skin elasticity and texture. Okay, I had to like go on Google Scholar and look this up because I wanted to know, I'm like, does this radio frequency actually work? Because I, now I just want to know. I'm like, and it's like this machine and they put it over your face. And um, so I pulled one of the studies and this is the efficacy of monopolar radio frequency on skin collagen remodeling. But this is a veterinary study, but they have done studies on people. But they took this like Exalis machine and compared the collagen structures in samples and then a three-month period after being treated. And then they had like a control where they, you know, were not treated and it was significant. So there was significant collagen improvement. Um, and so I liked this study because it wasn't just a person reporting that they felt better or someone looking at it. So it wasn't, you know, subjective. It was an, ob it was an objective uh, thing that was measurable. So that's what that is. Um, then I had to Google and cause I'm like, <laughs> is this a thing where this radio frequency treatments dissolve fillers? There have been studies that show that it doesn't, but if you go online and look, um, there's lots of patients complaining that they had them done too quickly. And most doctors are now recommending that you don't do them so close together so that you just, just to be safe. Um, because it looks like the people reporting that their fillers have been dissolved, which by the way, fillers are really expensive. So if I had, <laughs> it would be irritating just in general, even if you still looked fine, if you paid money for fillers and then the doctor had you get this radio frequency treatment, which is another couple thousand dollars. And then that dissolved your fillers. Like that would, even if it didn't leave you looking terrible, it would be obnoxious because that's a lot. It's like you're wasting money. Mm -hmm. 
So then October 23rd, 2019, she returns for follow-up care and treatment. The follow-up care and treatment was for the purpose of re-administering new or additional fillers to be inserted into Queen's face as a result of the previous fillers having lost or otherwise melted due to the improper administration of the Excellus laser treatment. This is from her complaint. Not <laughs> so this she was charged an additional $2,500 for this procedure. She says she didn't know at the time. So basically, like what she's done is like she's gone back and like she went to an attorney who did research and said, okay, well, the dates of your treatment and they, they're now claiming that it's this exalus treatment that had the fillers dissolve. So she keeps going back October 24th. Uh, she says she, 2018, it says her face changed remarkably in appearance as a result of these medical procedures on her face. It says her physical appearance is that of a puffy or fat face with her cheeks sticking out toward her head and ears and the contour of her face being dramatically uneven. There were not pictures in this. Uh, oh, I wish petition. there were. <laughs> I know. I was like reading. It, I, I was would, like, oh, I would look at these. Yeah. The, <laughs> the other one had pictures. She said this appearance was the result of there being too much filler work being injected into plaintiff's face in an attempt to correct the prior improper and uh, according to the plaintiff negligent medical treatment. So we, what, who was it? Was it Shannon? Yeah. Is, who's saying she had six files. files of filler? That's a lot. Yeah. In her face. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> so it doesn't say how many vials this person has had. Um, but then she goes on and she returns again and she says that like she's still experiencing volume loss, but she's also too puffy. And, and then it says towards the end, December 23rd, uh, she was given additional, and I'm not, I may not, I may be pronouncing this wrong, but vivace treatments, vivace. Vivace, yeah, I've heard of that. I think it's Vivace. Vivace, okay. As a result of those treatments, she experienced collagen loss in her lower face and chin, change in her upper lip, and collagen loss in her mid face, nasal label fold, and loss of filler in her temples. So she's, I mean, it sounds like what she is saying is that she got a bunch of filler, had the filler, according to her, dissolve because of the radio frequency treatment, and then got more filler as a replacement. And then that there was too much filler in there, and then she got another treatment on her face, which she says dissolved it again. There's a lot. There's a lot of. But then she also said that she's like super puffy. So it's like, yeah, don't you want it to be dissolved? It's. I mean, this is a lot of things being done within from October third, two thousand nineteen, to December twenty third. So it's. That's there's just a there's a lot of things. Yeah, sometimes it's best Um, to just wait and see yeah and just see what's going on i mean if it's also like a lot of time and like again we don't there's not pictures we don't know this is what this person is alleging this is a very new lawsuit but i mean you go in you you feel puffy and then you go back in and then they do other things and it's kind of like okay well i don't know but i just wanted to talk about just real quick as we're ending a uh study on facial fillers and litigation because I thought this was interesting. So, mm-hmm. and again, everything we just said is just allegations made in a complaint. So there is And isn't, it's still ongoing, right? Yeah, it just, it's brand new. Like it's a brand new, I don't even think she's answered yet at this point. Dr. Jen has answered. So yeah, I was curious if there was a study showing like how frequently there's been litigation from fillers since this is a thing that I have personally done. It says, so this is from the uh, Journal of Oral and Maxiofacial Surgery. And this is from 2020, January 2020. 
And it says in 2017 alone, clinicians administered nearly 2.7 million soft tissue fillers, up from 1.3 million in 2007. So that's a huge jump. (laughs) I bet it's more after COVID or during COVID times. So that's what, um, you know, we saw on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City with the like beauty lab and laser, um, where she, uh, what's her face? Heather was saying, oh yeah, my business has been going great. We're opening up a new thing because everyone's looking at themselves on mm-hmm. Zoom now, which that thing. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And also I feel like people are being much more open about it than they used to be. Um, you know, just openly admitting, oh yeah, I had all of this stuff done. And so people aren't like, people aren't thinking, oh, if she just you know, rubbed olive oil on her face or something. This is, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. um, <laughs> isn't that what like Jennifer or JLo says? Like, she, yeah, she just, that's a freaking yeah. lie. Anyway, it makes me, it makes me angry. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no way. Um, so anyway, so it says, although injectable fillers have a relatively high safety profile compared with more invasive rejuvenation techniques, serious adverse events, including Intra-arteria, which is entry by way of an artery, injections, necrosis, which is where like basically like tissue death and visual symptoms such as blindness have been documented. Complications from injectable fillers have been a source of litigation, which is what we were interested in. So during that time frame, which is uh, 2000, I'm sorry, what was it? 2017. Yeah, through 20, uh, 2008 to 2017. Um, there was a total of 2,813 adverse effects, and they included in their search Artifil, Belafil, Bellatoro, Juvederm, Radius, Restylane, Sculptra, and Kybella. Um, they looked through the results, and then they also used the Westlaw Edge database to collect reported jury verdicts and settlements from 2008 to 2017 for injectable facial fillers. Um so I thought this was really interesting because in, according to this study, the commonly reported events are swelling. Well, that's normally like you get something injected in your face, it's going to swell. I don't think that's like, should, it's not a complication. Um, but the most common locations for complications were the cheek and the nasal label fold, which I think that also kind of makes sense because you move around, like that part of your face moves around a lot. Yeah. Um, and then severe complications included intra-arterial, again, involving entry by way of an artery, injections. Well, so that sounds to me like the injector like hits one of the uh, like arteries in your face. And right. like, actually, like there's like the dorsal nasal artery that like goes down like the side of your nose, and, which is scary. <laughs> scary. Yeah. It says injections with radius were significantly associated with intra-arterial injections resulting in necrosis and visual symptoms. Um, they analyzed a total of 11 malpractice cases. The median award in these cases resolved by a verdict in favor of the plaintiff or settlement was $600,000. Um, in 10 of the 11 cases, a lack of informed consent had been alleged. Just generally, like informed consent is a sort of legal theory where like when you are, you're, you're consenting to the fact that complications of a certain type may occur and that you've been informed of those complications and that you consent to the surgery or whatever the procedure is, despite your knowledge of those complications. And you also acknowledge that those can occur, even if there's been no negligence, like generally, like these are just things like some people have reactions to things. um, And most of the time they're rare. And like, you know, it's like the thing the doctor like 
tells you about and makes you sign before you do something. So that's just yeah. what that is. But there's like a, um, a limit to it. You can't. I don't know. Right. Isn't there like if someone like dies, they sign a release on informed consent. Like you can still sue the you, doctor. Yeah. You don't death. like you don't consent to negligence. And that's they can't ask you to consent to negligence. So like if you the doctor uh, when you're going to get your filler, for example, injects the filler into your artery, which is where it's not supposed to go and causes complications and all kinds of stuff, then that's that's not informed consent. It's just like yeah. swelling, you know, normal stuff that can happen. Yeah. So I wanted to know what the alleged complications were in these lawsuits. So uh, there was pierced blood vessel, permanent facial disfigurement. Um, it was from a Restylane injection. But I'm not saying this had anything to do with the Restylane because like it's, it's the doctor that's being sued for injecting it into the wrong spot. Juvederm, permanent blindness. She was 48. Her settlement was 425000 the first one I talked about was seven hundred and fifty thousand sculpture. That's perial orbital. That's like around your eye bone, and like we don't have the info for some of this because obviously some of it was confidential. But most of the stuff was not too scary. It was just and there was just one person that had permanent blindness and some facial disfigurement and then nerve damage. So this is a pretty small amount, and these are from the complications and litigation associated with injectable. Facial fillers from the Journal of Oral Surgery, Oral Malofacial Surgery, 2019. So now, hopefully, we haven't scared you from getting stuff injected into your face. Well, that just seems like a lot of money, though, when you compare it to how much like they're seeking against Boob God. Like just going back to that, like fifteen thousand well, no, dollars. Like, no, it just says more than. That's just in the. That's just what you have to I put. Still, it's like when you're, I know, fil- but still, but when you're still. filing something. Yeah, I don't know. I agree with you because it's like that seems like a low amount to have to allege. But what? But that's got to be that's just got to be like there's civil procedure requirements where you have to allege it's more than a certain amount. And that's the amount like it's more than $50,000. This is the case over just for what court it goes in. Florida's trial court system is divided into two tiers. Florida courts like many courts have uh, jurisdictional limits. Each Florida court has a jurisdictional limit, which means they can only hear cases that seek damages, meaning money within those limits. Prior to January 1st, 2020, claims up to $5,000 were filed in small claims court. Claims greater than $5,000 and less than $15,000 were filed in county court. And claims for $15,000 or more were filed in circuit court. So it's kind of interesting because Florida's trial court system has two tiers, county courts and circuit courts. Florida noticed that their caseload in their county courts had declined significantly since 1992, and they didn't have enough cases to justify their continued existence. So that's why Florida amended the statute. And so whenever you see a complaint and it just says, uh, and this is in general because like other court systems have this, like it says, you know, an amount greater than so-and-so or amount of damages greater than $15,000 or $50,000, that's so that you can properly plead that so that your case is in the correct court system and you can show, yes, this court does have jurisdiction. So the point is, it's just a jurisdictional thing. It's not limiting the amount you're claiming and it's not limiting the amount of your damages. What it is, is just ensuring that your case is in the right court. For example, in federal court, diversity jurisdiction cases, the jurisdictional amount is $75,000. So you have to allege that the amount in controversy is over $75,000. So in the case that we talked about previously, where the plaintiff that lived in Texas is in federal court because she's suing E and attempted to sue Terry Dubrow, but she's now in arbitration, she had to allege that the amount in controversy 
for the diversity jurisdiction to be in federal court was over $75,000. But as we said, she's actually claiming millions of dollars in damages. So so yeah, so that was the medical malpractice cases. Yeah, I think I think something we didn't talk about, though, is that there seems to be like a fine line between actual negligence and being upset with the result. And I well, I think, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's important yeah. to say. Yeah. I mean, it's like that's part of being a it's like the same thing we do as attorneys is you have to manage expectations. So you have to make sure that for us, it's our clients and for doctors, it's their patients have their expectations managed. So when they come in and they say, we want this, this and this, you have to make sure that they understand there's only so much you can do or this is how you think it will look or whatever. Um, just like with cases, you can say, yes, we can file this lawsuit, but here's you know how long it's going to take. Here's what could happen if we lose and here's you know whatever. So, but yeah, there is a fun, like just getting... A, a procedure done and not liking the results is different from mm-hmm. negligence. Yeah. So we'll let you know if there are any updates on the cases that we've talked about. And um, until next time. Oh, wait, we didn't mention we're taking a break for the holidays. Yeah, that's <laughs> important. Not too long of a break. <laughs> I think we'll release our next episode on January 10th. So until then, look on our Instagram. We might post stuff there still. Um, if you want to follow us on Patreon, go Go support us on Patreon. We'll post stuff there. Um, But as far as the podcast goes, we're going to take a break and release our next episode on January 10th. But yeah. Or go back and listen to old episodes. They survived the test of time. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, but we had our first Zoom with our Supreme Court Patreon members, and it was so much fun. Like we got to sit and talk Bravo for an hour, and we had a really good time. And we really appreciate everyone that showed up. And that's another way to measure this. Yeah. So for information on that, every third Wednesday of the month, we're hosting a live Zoom where you can chat with us about law, Bravo, whatever. And that's the Supreme Court tier. It has a cap on the number of people that can participate because we want it to be intimate and we want to answer your questions. Um, So that next one will be January 19th. So sign up before then to get the Zoom link and join us. Yes. But yeah, so have a happy holiday. Happy New Year. We'll see you guys in 2022. Bye. The Bravo Docket is part of the ACAST Creator Network.